Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. How do you feel about Hamilton's latest tax hike? Also on the agenda, Simone Lawrence, a bunk bed rental, the solar eclipse, and Trump is back in court. Enjoy the GMH podcast. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Once again, there is a property tax hike that is coming your way. Yesterday, council approving an overall tax hike of 5.79% for residents, very close to last year's 5.8%, almost bang on. For the average homeowner, that's about $286 or so for the year, $24 more a month, give or take, depending on where you live and how um, how your home is assessed, 24 bucks a month more on your overall household budget. Here to talk about the city budget is the mayor of Hamilton, Andrea Horvath, who joins us on GMH. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. How would you describe the budget that council has approved? Well, we all knew this was going to be another hard budget year, uh, and it was. It was a difficult uh, budget to uh, to grapple with at a time when people are definitely feeling the affordability crunch. Uh, interest rates are high. People uh, are quite aware of the pinch it's taking out of uh, out of the pocketbook. And so what we try to do is balance uh, the needs of uh, of a city, uh, particularly the needs of residents of a city, uh, with um with acknowledging that there's um uh, that there's some pressure out there. And so uh, the budget, I believe, strikes that balance. Um, on the city side, about three point two percent is what we ended up at with um uh, with uh, you know, so that's about where inflation is right now. A couple of uh, uh, collective bargaining sessions, as you know, we've had some some wage pressures, and that's that's the way it works. I mean, people have to be paid for the work they do at the city, but um, but we also had pressure from the provincial government's funding uh, that uh, they they changed, uh, and that was another two point six percent. So that uh, added up to five point eight. Uh, that two point six doesn't belong on the property tax base. There's no doubt about it, but um, but it's there, and uh, until there are changes provincially uh, to address that. That pressure is going to remain. The budget passed on a vote of 10 to 6. These things used to be unanimous back in the day. Is that concerning to you? No, and I, I actually I talked to senior staff about this because that's uh, some something that uh, uh, continues to be suggested. But um, senior staff say they don't recall that it was always the case that the budget would pass unanimously and they named a couple of names in terms of people that always voted against the budget over the years but look there's a there's definitely tension uh and i don't think tension is unhealthy uh, i think tension is uh important to, because that's you know that's why people have a democratically elected uh you know a right in in our country in our city in our province uh different views around the table are i think important and healthy uh, having said that um you know, there are a couple of councillors that really put, uh, pulled up their sleeves to try to shave the budget down further. You may recall, uh, we started at 14.2. Uh, I put out the requirements to the staff uh, in terms of what I wanted to see uh, with the tackling of the budget. Uh, they followed up and uh, we got to a, a number uh, almost eight. Uh, and since that time, we are now down to 5.8, of course, 2.6 of which are uh, provincially um, you know, provincially mandated uh, pressures that we that we can't do anything about. So at a 3.2, I don't think it's all that bad. Uh, but do I know that it's going to impact people? Absolutely. Uh, and, um, you know, it's 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 just a very frustrating time. About half of that municipal side 
is housing and homelessness. And and we know that people want to see us uh, continue to address housing and homelessness. I would say that that's not our responsibility. That's provincial and federal. Uh, but uh, we we can't simply uh, walk away and pretend that we don't have a crisis in our community because we do. Talking about Hamilton's 2024 budget, which was approved yesterday. It comes with an overall tax impact of 5.79% for local residents. And we're in discussion with Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Of that 3.2%, if we were to lop off a percentage point or whatever the case is, how would that impact city services? Would, would there be a dramatic impact? Well, one of the things that people are quite frustrated with, uh, for example, we and we hear it all the time, is the state of our roads. Uh, we we have uh, real uh, challenges around litter, and so some of the uh, additional funding that was put in the budget this time around was to address those pieces. Uh, we have crumbling infrastructure that um, that really hasn't been uh, kept up with over the years. Uh, but now we must do that. Now it's provincially legislated that we maintain our infrastructure. So we have something called an asset management plan that requires funding each and every year. These are not bad things. I don't know if you know the old saying, a stitch in time uh, saves nine. This is it. I mean, you're not going to let a, a roof leak in your house to the point where the roof caves in. Uh, you have to you know, have to repair those things uh, to increase their longevity. And those are some of the investments we're making. Uh, we're making some climate investments. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a big city. We have a lot of uh, uh, pressures and a lot of demands, and and we have to deliver for the people of Hamilton and, and address uh, not only the concerns that they have, uh, but also uh, the things in community that they support. Things like their recreation centers and their uh, and their parks uh, and their public spaces. I mean, all of these things are important for people and. And all of that work, um, it, it takes resources, and that's what this budget reflects. We have a couple more minutes with Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. A lot has been made about using reserves, dipping into reserves to, uh, you know, lessen the blow. Is that going to cost us down the road? No, I, I think it's absolutely necessary and responsible to use reserves when uh, when it's required. Uh, cities in Canada aren't allowed to run a deficit, as people know. Uh, but what some folks know is we're not also not allowed to run a, run a surplus. So over the years where there have been surpluses, those surpluses go into reserves, and uh, and that's and that's what we're re- relying on this time around uh, because we need them. I mean, we are, in, as I said, a housing crisis. Uh, like has never been faced before. And without the help of the other orders of government, you know, we have to find the resources. And so some of those reserves that we used were to increase our uh, investments in housing and and homelessness response. Uh, But but the the point is that if you're going to draw down those reserves, you have to do it in a responsible way. And that's what we're doing. Uh, Not only do we have a clear kind of a path in terms of the uh, of the drawdown, but also in terms of the replenishing. Uh, and I, when I asked the uh, staff to look at this kind of solution, I made it very clear uh, that I don't want our credit rating to uh, to in any way be impacted. So we're at a triple A. We're going to stay at a triple A, and uh, and and that's extremely important. Last one for you. Last year's tax hike was five point eight percent. This year, pretty much the same, five seven nine. What's the outlook to next year? We're going to have more pain. 
Well, there's no doubt that the um, that the outlook has been put in place for the next couple of years, which is important. Uh, and it's be important because it sits as a reminder uh, as we go through this fiscal year uh, that the pressures are not going to reduce and uh, and we have to be very uh, thoughtful about uh, any additional items that we that we put into the budget during the fiscal year. And so uh, there, there's an outlook that uh, that has over a little bit over eight next year. But look, we were at 14.2 this year and we're and we're down considerably. Uh, but there are definitely pressures. But look, I think we all realize uh, that uh, that people are having a tough time uh, and we have to be really, really careful uh, about uh, about the the property taxes. And we're going to continue vigorously throughout this year to try to get the other orders of government to come to the table uh, and uh, and take off uh, some of the load because those things like housing and homelessness programs, uh, like uh, supporting uh, uh, refugees and asylum seekers, those things don't belong on the property tax base. They belong with the federal and provincial governments respectively. And we need to um, we need to get them you know, back to where they belong in terms of uh, being partners on those files. Madam Mayor, always appreciative of your time. Thanks for uh, carving out some uh, time out of your busy morning and uh, enjoy the day and the long weekend as well. Thanks so much. You do the same, Rick. Happy Family Day, everyone. Thank you so much. Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath joining us here. As you heard, 5.79% property tax increase for 2024. The average home in Hamilton, which is assessed, I think it's like $380,000. The average tax hike will be $286, about $24 per month. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're talking about Hamilton's 2024 budget and the 5.79% budget increase. For the, ha- for the average Hamilton homeowner, about $24 per month extra. Most of you, it's going to be probably a little bit more than that. Well, some some will fall under that number as well. Long story short, you're going to be paying a little bit more each and every month for your property tax. How do you feel about that? You mad? Frustrated? Can you stomach it? It's the focus of our poll question of the day on X at AM 900 CHML. Yes is one option. Not ideal, but yeah, you can stomach it or no, that's too high. I'll set over to the poll on X at AM 900 CHML. 50% of you say, no, that 5.79% is too high. 33% say, not ideal, but yeah, I'll be able to, I'll be able to work the numbers. 17% are saying, yeah, they're okay with it. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your smartphone. You can call or text in your thoughts on this 2024 budget and the tax increase. Here's a text from Frank, who says, No, I can't stomach this tax increase any more than last year's, which was tough enough to take. And you'll recall last year's was 5.8%, so basically the same. Frank goes on to say, As a retiree who well prepared for my final years of some bliss, goodbye to a personal budget of affording any vacation or saving for a new vehicle, plus any other luxury. P.S. and don't take this as a crying towel, it's a reality among many others, I'm sure. Frank, you're you're probably 100% right. There's a lot of retirees. Fixed income. Same amount of money is going to come in each and every month. It actually might go down in some cases. And you're having to pay more and more and more. And let's not forget this. We're talking about property taxes here, but this is also on top of other things that are costing more. 
your credit card bill, your line of credit, your uh, f- shopping at the grocery store. Gas prices have noticed have crept up a little bit. Everything is costing more. And especially if you're a retiree, not much money, not much more money is coming in. Here's a text from Chris at 905-645-3221. And I'm sure a lot of you share Chris's view. Chris says, good morning, Rick. Too high. Having to invest in the homeless is one of the reasons, well, that might make it worse. Well, and that is, listen, that's that's an opinion that Chris is going to have, and a lot of people are thinking that as well. Let's not forget, though, that there is a homeless crisis. We have to assist these individuals and get them into more stable uh, a more stable place. And once they're there, the hope, and I think the expectation is, they'll contribute to the local economy, whether it's in a small way or a big way at some point. And, you know, when it comes to housing, everyone should be in a home. Everyone has the right to a home. Now, whether you can get one or not, that's a, a very different scenario because it depends on a number of factors. How much you make, what kind of education you have, a lucky break or two down the way. 905-645-3221, call in or text your thoughts on the 5.79% property tax hike this year, compounded with the 58 last year, and who knows what it's going to be next year. Maybe even more the same, because listen, when you look at the budget breakdown, 3.2% is the city's portion. How much is that going to change next year? If anything, it might even go higher with pay increases that have become the norm. Provincial downloading at 2.6%. Are we going to get more of that? Is that number going down? We could be stuck at this 6 percentage area for a long, long time. You can have your say on the text line, 905-645-3221, or send me an email, rick at 900chml.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900chml. Wow, what a day it was yesterday for Simone Lawrence. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats and this legendary linebacker announced his retirement from football yesterday. I'm done playing football and I'm graduating to the big boys league. Go hang out with the big boys. Uh, Super grateful for everything that this city has brought to me and my family. And, you know, I put out a press release and, you know, I'm just here to answer questions because I don't want to get too emotional here. <laughs> I will say it did a good job of keeping those emotions in check. It is an emotional time for many, especially, you know, star players, star athletes who are in one place for a long time. And then they have to say goodbye, at least to one phase of their career. And why, while he didn't utter the word retirement or retiring yesterday, he did say he was done playing football. And is calling this a graduation because... Well, he's got another phase to his uh, career here. He's now the team's brand and community ambassador. It's actually for Hamilton Sports Group, which not only includes the Ticats, but Forge FC as well. Perfect guy to do so. Absolutely perfect guy to do so. And the stats speak for themselves. 11 seasons in the CFL, 10 of them with the Tiger Cats, the team's all-time leader in total tackles, which... That is a, an incredible feat. Defensive tackles, single game tackles, 400 or 742 career defensive tackles, number 10 in CFL history. It's a three-time CFL All-Star, was an Eastern All-Star five times, 
East nominee for most outstanding defensive player three times. Never ended up winning the award, but he was among the best in the Canadian Football League for a long time. And so now he's got a a new gig with the team. The reason that me and Hamilton click so well is because I come from a, a, a similar part of like Hamilton. Um, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania is very similar to Hamilton. The people are very similar. Um, I, you guys ever go on vacation, go to Upper Darby and you know, you'll feel right at home like you've been in Hamilton for sure. So like, it, I just could relate for sure. It's an easy transition, right? So yeah, I mean, I've been studying for the job for a long time. It's been my side hustle while I've been playing football. He's been to numerous events, hundreds of hours volunteering in the community, whether it's going to hospitals and meeting with sick kids, whether it's helping out with camps, uh, you name it, he's done it. There's one thing, however, he did not get to do, sadly, and that was hoist a Grey Cup trophy. Despite playing 169 games in the league, 154 with Hamilton, nine playoff appearances, Uh, For the team, he played in 13 of those playoff games in those nine years. Six East Finals, four Grey Cups, 0-4 in the championship game. That's got to sting. It was tough, you know, not winning a Grey Cup. We played a game to win a Grey Cup, but I had a great career. And um, Charles Barkley, going out like Charles Barkley, you know, he's still doing well, so it's all right. So how did this process develop? And while he didn't really get into the entire nuts and bolts, this is what he had to say. Oh, man, it was a long process. I went through every single emotion you could think of. I went through the emotion of like, all right, I'm going to get a new agent. Let's figure this out. We're going to keep it moving. And then I was like, man, went to some hockey games. Shout out to Scott. And <laughs> and just like just talked it through, you know, like in the game of football, it's like it's a young man's sport for sure. You know, I'm extremely best to be able to play football for as long as I did for Hamilton for 10 years and not really get any major injuries and stuff and you know God know when to hold them and fold them so you're listening time. to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML reflecting on the illustrious career of one Simone Lawrence who's now graduating as he likes to say to the uh, the front office as the brand and community ambassador for the Hamilton Sports Group both the Ticats and Forge FC and uh, there was a number of media personnel there at uh, Tim Hortons Field yesterday, including CHML's Scott Radley, who has a column in the uh, Hamilton Spectator as well. And he asked Sim if he thought about playing somewhere else. Oh, I, live, I love Hamilton. I ain't going nowhere, man. Come on. You're not going to pull a Brandon Banks? We're not gonna, we weren't going to ever see you in double blue? Oh, nah, I can't go to double blue, man. I got too much smoke over there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is probably accurate. So what is he going to miss you know, stepping away from the field, he's not going to be able to tackle people anymore for a living. You know, the highs and lows of being a pro athlete. There's there's, there's so much to like about that career path, and he's no longer going to do it. Just um, enjoying the different moments with the people, you know. Like, football is such a aggressive game, but, like, you get in the locker room and you see how soft everybody really is, you know what I mean? And it's just, like, the bonds you create with the guys, the relationships you create with the coaches, and just, like, all the different players even around the league. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I hate this player. And then you meet them, like, oh, what's up? You're not that bad, you know what I mean? So just the people for sure. That is the one thing from a professional athlete perspective. The one thing players always point to in their retirement years, 
What do you miss most about the game? It's not the touchdowns. It's not the tackles. It's not the interceptions. It's not running out of the tunnel, although some guys, you know, really get a kick out of that. It's the camaraderie. It's in the locker room. It's in the weight room. It's on the practice field. It's during a game winning and losing with your teammates. That's what they miss the most about it. And yeah, they can relive those moments in the stories that they share and continuously share in the retirement. There's there's just a little piece that's carved out of these guys and women. I mean, this the pro if you're a pro athlete, this goes for men and women. When you step away from the game, that's the one thing they miss the most. And Sim clearly wrestled with this decision. The decision was it was real hard, you know, like you think about it, you're like, I can keep going. I got some more in me. But, you know, it's like, like I always say, I live in a world where I just do what makes sense. And, you know, the position and offer that I got from the Hamilton Tire Cats off the field was good for myself and my family. And congratulations on a phenomenal playing career. And we look forward to seeing Simone in the community as the brand and community ambassador for Hamilton Sports Group. And you have a chance to join Simone Lawrence at the graduation, as it's being called. It's a special event at Tim Hortons Field next Wednesday. That's February the 21st at the Donut Box. And you can get tickets by making a $21 donation to Food for Kids Hamilton via a link on the Ticats website. Check it out. Hope to see you there. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. Podcast from 900 CHML. When you were a kid, if, if, especially if you had siblings, did you want bunk beds? Like, wasn't that every kid's dream? When you went to camp, but if, it, if there were bunk beds, you were on cloud nine, and you always wanted the top bunk. It's like you were living in the penthouse. Have you always wanted bunk beds? Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? The beds match up perfectly. And here's the thing, it'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. Please say yes. You don't need permission from us to build bunk beds. You're adults. You can do what you want. So... Yes. Yes, Sweet. you can make them. I knew it. Okay, you guys are not going to regret this. We're going to get so much more activities done. This is the funnest night ever. <laughs> bunk beds can be fun, but there's a landlord in Toronto that's looking for tenants to occupy what is described as a number one value and prestige accommodation. There's a rental ad on Kijiji that says, quote, looking for two or three team player students for a room bundle discount Male or female combo, new room, existing mixed male-female unit. And there's a photo that shows a room with a bunk bed against the wall, and beside it, literally centimeters away, is another twin bed, all for $555 a month. How bad has the rental market become? Lou Piriano is a past president with the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington. Joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Lou, good morning. Hey, good morning to you all. Your thoughts on this rental ad? It seems <laughs> seems bonkers. Well, the first thing I think about is fire hazard. How are all, hopefully all these people can get out of there uh, jammed into a room. Uh, I, I think it's uh, you know a sign of the times, obviously, uh, vacancy is uh, rates are down. Uh, you know, everybody knows that rents are up. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Uh, this is this ad is just symptomatic of a, of a bigger and wider problem. 
And uh, there are three things necessary to solve this problem, and they are supply, supply, and supply. Um, I, I think I've mentioned to you before that I recently read a CMHC report, Canada Mortgage and Housing, citing the following real estate market problems. Uh, insufficient, moderately priced housing, affordability problems, lack of incentives for building rentals, increased construction costs compounded by high interest rates, rent controls discouraging building of rental inventory. And guess what? That describes our situation perfectly, except it was written in 1975. Hmm. So nothing's, so, nothing's really changed. So successive governments have failed. And... You know, you, you, uh, I think I, I believe in, in immigration, but hey, you had immigration, you increased it every year, and you didn't think that was going to be a problem when you already have a housing crisis. There, there is a total lack of, uh, you know, foresight, uh, probably compounded by political considerations when making decisions. As an example, we have hundreds of acres ready to go to build on on the south side of Rymel Road. The city staff recommended the expansion of the urban boundary to incorporate that and council voted against it. There is absolutely, in my mind, no logic to that except the political part, which is that the radical left, I'll call them, has conflated conservation area with urban boundary. They are not the same thing. Urban boundary is we've got houses across the street and we're just going to build on the other side of the street. Conservation, as we know, is totally different, the wetlands and so on and so forth. So the, uh, although I empathize with the uh, city and the government and having to make decisions, uh, you got to get past it and forget about um, the extremes on either end and concentrate on building more supply. Because, you know, the economic principle here, supply and demand, you know, you have increasing demand with no supply. Guess what that, ha- guess what that means? Bunk beds. Yeah. And and sadly, I mean, this is going to be a case where some people are going to rent this because they have no other option. Yeah, I'm not sure who placed that ad, if that was the owner or or if this was one of the students in there, you know, because from the time I went to university many decades ago, you know, maybe this is acceptable. I, I don't know. But as I said, it's just symptomatic. All right. And, you know, we at the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington are doing our best, along with the Canadian Real Estate Association and the Ontario Real Estate Association, to speak to, and we do speak to MPs and MPPs and local city councillor all all the time in an effort to bring some relief and some ideas that are actually executable. We have a full-time government relations staff member, Amanda Stringer, who does a fantastic job because we all have full-time jobs, we're volunteers here, uh, of, of nailing down the issues and getting us to be able to delegate in front of the politicians when uh, uh, applicable. And we have had success in some areas, but obviously uh, we're not the government. Last one for you, we got about uh, a minute. The housing market, a lot of pundits, a lot of analysts are saying it is turning the corner. Are we seeing that happening in Hamilton? I think so. Uh, I, I don't think there was ever any doubt. Once again, that supply and demand. Uh, how, how are how are the prices going to plummet when the guy who's laying the bricks or the woman who's doing the plumbing or the land is going up or the city has more, uh, you know, taxes for you to cope with? There's no way that prices can come down. So uh, in, uh, indefinitely. So yeah, yeah, we saw a bit of a dip after historically high prices. 
Now they are still well above pandemic, pre-pandemic levels. And uh, it, again, uh, people are getting used to the higher interest rates. And I think they're anticipating correctly that there will be lower interest rates. So if you're smart, you get in now. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. Lou, thank you so much for the time this morning. Enjoy the long weekend. Pleasure. You too. As Bye-bye. Lou Piriano, past president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton, Burlington. Yeah, this room in a Toronto home, bunk beds, and then a single bed right beside it. I mean, there's no room to get out of the bottom bunk and, like, not disturb the other person in the bed. <laughs> Imagine being on the top bunk. Like, where do you go? There's nowhere to go. Yeah, you'll have to do a somersault off the top bunk on the ground. Wild. Coming up, we have some big stories in entertainment. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It's a total solar eclipse, not of the heart of the real variety, coming to Hamilton and Canada and really North America. April 8th is the big day, and that's when the sun is going to be pulling a disappearing act, if you will. And parts of Canada, the U.S., Mexico will be looking towards the skies for what will be several minutes. There is a key point in time uh, in which you're going to want to have some eye protection if you are looking towards the sun. Eclipse is going to take a uh, a route in which it's going to be seen over a, a, a massive part of the world with millions, millions of people watching what is happening. And there's not going to be another one of these until like 2045. So this this is going to be it. For a lot of people. And to the rescue, I think, is McMaster University. This is a cool story. It has purchased 600,000 Eclipse viewing glasses and is partnering with local schools and the Hamilton Public Library to distribute them to one and all. Laura Parker is a professor in the University Scholar, uh, uh, University Scholar in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at McMaster University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Laura, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing very well this morning. This is kind of cool. Who who came up with this idea? Well, this has been a lot of planning. So we've known for a long time that this eclipse is coming in 2024. So there have been discussions among faculty at McMaster and administration at McMaster. And we're really lucky to have the support of our, our higher admin and the provost and the dean of science supported this massive purchase of more than half a million pairs of solar viewing glasses so that everyone in our area could safely view the eclipse on April 8th. First thing, or one of the first things I thought of was there's going to be some kind of company or individual who just purchases a bunch of these and then sells them for a much higher price. And well, you've beaten all those people to the punch. Yeah, that's certainly what we hope (laughs) is that everyone can safely view this without having to make a big investment. I know that some people went out and bought glasses in advance, and that's great. But uh, for anyone who has not, they'll be distributed in the coming weeks, as you mentioned, through the public libraries and also through the school system. So they'll be widely available for anyone who wants a pair. So when it comes to the library, most people will probably go there. Um, Do they just walk in and, and ask for a pair? And when can they do so? Yeah, so the distribution for within the Hamilton Public Library System starts next week. So after February 22nd, they will just be widely available at all the different library locations. 
Um, starting February 26th, they'll be available at the McMaster libraries for anyone who finds themselves uh, on our campus. And then also starting March 4th, they'll be available in the Burlington public libraries. So just to, to highlight that this, this eclipse is going to happen over a wide part of North America, but the path of totality where the sun is completely blocked is a pretty narrow path. And we're just really lucky that, that Hamilton falls in that path. And our nearby neighbors in cities like London and Kitchener and Toronto are actually not going to get a total solar eclipse. So we're really in a, in a fortunate location. So what is the percentage of eclipse for those cities? Is it like 98, 95 percent? It's in the high 90s. And as you get further away from Hamilton, it goes down from there. But um, even in the high 90s means that you'll you won't experience that the amazing moment when the sun is totally blocked. And during that very brief period, which for us is going to happen between 3.18 and 3.20 p.m. on April 8th, you actually can take off the solar viewing glasses just for that brief moment when the sun is completely blocked. And you'll experience darkness in the daytime. You might experience some animal behavior like birds behaving a little bit strangely because it's weird for it to be dark in the daytime. And if you're outside, even if you're only at if you're at 95 percent of totality, you don't get that same experience of being in the, the path where the sun is completely blocked. So it's pretty special. So if you're in, say, Toronto and you're, you're watching this uh, solar eclipse happen, you shouldn't be looking at the sun at all because you're not going to get that totality. You'll get, it's still interesting. And if you have safe solar viewing glasses, like the ones we're distributing, you can look at the sun as mm -hmm. it's, as it's being eclipsed. And what you will see is the shadow pass across the surface of the sun. It just will not completely block it. So right. you'll always have at least a, a, a little bit of the sun that is, that is visible to you. Whereas here in Hamilton, we will have this very brief period where the sun's completely blocked. And on either side of that, so earlier in the afternoon and later in the afternoon on, on April 4th, the sun will be partially blocked for us. And that's when it's really cool to use those solar viewing glasses to see the eclipse progress. Very interesting. Laura Parker is a professor and university scholar in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at McMaster University. We're talking about the total solar eclipse that will be uh, up in the sky on April the 8th. And as Laura mentioned, between 318 and 320 is going to be that uh, total eclipse. Uh, where are you going to be watching from? I'm not going anywhere special. I hope to just be on campus. In fact, we're going to be hosting uh, an event uh, for anyone on McMaster campus or nearby that wants to come see it collectively. We'll be in the Ron Joyce uh, Stadium to be able to, to experience it together. So that's where I hope to be. But really, you don't need to go anywhere. The eclipse is coming to us. So you can go out in your backyard. You can go down to Bayfront Park. You can go up to Sam Lawrence Park. You can just hang out close to where you are. As long as you have a pair of these solar viewing glasses, you can safely watch it from anywhere. Many people, uh, I would imagine this is going to be the most photographed event of 2024, at least in this neck of the woods. We're just hoping it's not going to be cloudy. Like that would be the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. So it's April in Southern Ontario. <laughs> there are no guarantees. I'd say it's about 50-50. What I would say is if you want to view the eclipse and it's cloudy, there will be live streaming services from a number of places, including NASA TV will certainly live stream it from some, some locations. But even if it's cloudy, it is still a really amazing thing to experience that you probably will only get the chance to once in your lifetime. As you mentioned, the last total solar eclipse here was about a century ago. The next one is, is about a century into the future. So these are rare events. And even if you don't see the sun being blocked, the nights, the, the daytime will still become nighttime briefly. The temperature will go down a few degrees. 
it will still feel different than normal. And we should all get outside and try to experience that. So we got about a minute. How dark is it going to get? Pretty dark at totality. So there, it will be not like the middle of the darkest part of the night, but it will be pretty dark. Uh, and you can, if you look really carefully at the sky during totality, you can see the spots of, of some um, stars that normally you don't see stars in the daytime because the sun is too bright. They're there, you just don't see them. But during a total solar eclipse, you can actually see a few stars during the middle of the afternoon, which is amazing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to watch. Laura, thank you for breaking down what is happening. And uh, thank you, McMaster, for uh, purchasing and uh, uh, delivering these eclipse viewing glasses. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Laura Parker is a professor and university scholar in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at McMaster University. Yes, circle April 8th on your calendar. Head over to a uh, local library uh, or the Mac Campus Library and uh, get your glasses in uh, just uh, less than a week. It's going to be a great time. When we come back, a shocking rental in Toronto. It's a room, but it's well, a little less than that. We'll explain coming up next here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Here's another hot topic. Just mentioned the name Donald Trump, and, uh, well, things are red hot these days. And today is expected to be a big day in court once again for the former U.S. president. Reggie Giacchini joining us from New York. He is our Washington correspondent for Global News. Reggie, good morning. Good morning. So what's happening today? So today is going to be the day uh, where we are expecting a verdict in Trump's business fraud case that had been put forward by the New York State Attorney General, uh, a case that alleged that the Trump organization and Trump himself had uh, had had cooked the books uh, and, and overinflated assets to secure better loan terms over the course of operation here. Trump denies all wrongdoing here, but it's worth remembering the judge has already found that the organization and Trump committed fraud. So this is all going to be about damages. Uh, and they could be significant. We could see Donald Trump hit with $370 million, or about 20% of his net worth in damages, plus any additional fines that come on top of that, and a potential that the Trump organization is kind of blown off of the landscape uh, of New York uh, uh, State, which is something that the Attorney General wants. So there are some big potential consequences here for Trump in the city that gave him, you know, the status that he wears on his sleeve. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in this fraud case. Is jail time on the docket too, or is that not in the equation? Jail time is not on. This is solely uh, about about financial damages here. And this is a big deal. Donald Trump is a person who takes his wealth, um, you know, without a grain of salt. It it defines who he is. It defines who he is in the eyes of his supporters. Um, And, and, you know, it's rare for anyone to have four, three, four hundred million dollars just laying around. So this is going to be a potential huge hit to Trump's bottom line. And his his adult sons are also named uh, as co-defendants. And there's a chance that they are also banned from doing business in the city uh, that raised them under the Trump name. So there are some big, big moments here that the former president is waiting for on top of, Rick, remember, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was found liable in a defamation suit and, and paid out another $83 million. So this is a near half billion dollar hit to Donald Trump's net worth in just the last month, on top of finding out that there will be a court case uh, for the Stormy Daniels payments. And that was decided yesterday. So all these legal hurdles that had been kind of lining up ahead of Trump in his race towards 2024, he is now starting to hit them one by one. Are the legal pundits expecting a guilty verdict today? 
So we are expecting, look, the, the, the guilty verdict was already handed down. So legal experts are essentially saying here, how much money is Donald Trump uh, going to lose? And that is the big question right. here. Uh, because again, if you have all of that, if you owe all of this debt, you can't just declare bankruptcy. You'll have to start selling assets. And if you're selling assets, according to the experts here, all of a sudden the worth of those assets are going to go down. So there's a risk here that Trump finds himself backed into a financial corner, a place that neither he nor his family nor anybody who supports him have really kind of been in in their generation. That leads me to the next question. We're in discussion with Reggie Giacchini, Washington correspondent for Global News. The damage that this is going to cause to his reputation, is it going to have an impact on his support when it comes to the political sphere? Probably not. I mean, number one, when this decision comes down on dollars and cents, there's a real chance that he puts out a fundraising email to try and earn money off the backs of the people who support him by him saying, look, you're helping me, you know, as I try to help you. He's done this in the past. But even, you know, having been found that he committed fraud, even now finding out that he's going to trial for these hush money payments, even though we've been told that Donald Trump isn't immune from prosecution when it comes to election subversion, this is not turning his supporters away. He is still by and far the largest front runner in the Republican race, even though there aren't that many people in this race to begin with. Uh, and more and more of his supporters have come out to say, look, even if Trump is convicted of a crime down the road, um, we will stand behind him. And the former president, had, you know, even yesterday said, look, this is all about election interference. This is just people coming after me because of who I am. Uh, and, and this is a cry that we've heard from the former president to try and gin up that base for years now, where, again, he focuses on the court case, but doesn't focus on the, the, the kind of problems that created these court cases in the first place. As soon as you mentioned fundraising email, I thought of his NFT videos. Are we expecting more of that? I mean, look, it's possible here. Uh, you know, when we're just talking about today, $370 million plus a potential nine-digit uh, penalty with, with interest on that, that is a huge sum of money, and that money is going to need to come from somewhere. Uh, and the, the, the legal experts have told me this is not even a possibility of him being able to kind of fold up the Trump organization and reincorporate in a more friendly state like Florida. That would be illegal. So Trump needs to find money, and whether he finds that in his properties or whether he finds that off of the backs and shoulders of the people who are trying to put him in office, he needs the money, uh, and he will likely do whatever he can uh, to try and convince people to give him that money. So we could see Trump Tower, Mar-a-Lago have the for sale sign somewhere Ab some, sometime soon. Absolutely. I mean, look, 40 Wall Street is one of the most important buildings uh, for Donald Trump in New York City. It bears the Trump organization's name on the front of it. There's a risk here. Again, we've got to wait to see what the what the decision is from the judge and what the appeal process looks like. But there is a chance here that Trump loses some of those namesake jewels that have kind of adorned his name uh, or donned his name for, 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 for decades here. Um, this really could be the upending of the Trump empire. Last one for you. I want to focus on uh, U.S. President Joe Biden uh, embracing TikTok, which is causing a bit of a stir. And look, the White House pushed back on this a little bit uh, to say that, you know, they are actively aware of the, the kind of issues that are surrounding TikTok and the information issues that uh, may, you know, kind of siphon back into uh, Beijing. But ultimately here, uh, the White House is trying to say, look, this is the president trying to reach out to a younger generation. And it's worth pointing out here, Joe Biden is not popular with a generation or two or three below him. And any way that he can reach out to them uh, is going to potentially be a of benefit. I mean, the president is facing serious challenges uh, when it comes to his election campaign and reaching out in any way he can 
even if it may be controversial, especially to some on the Republican side, uh, the White House sees it as a benefit. Reggie, always uh, great catching up with you. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Reggie Takini, Washington correspondent for Global News. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.